Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content at burnorangenation.com. Before we get started, though, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a ton with visibility. Share us with your friends, share us with a coworker, somebody you know likes Texas Longhorn sports. Guys, my name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host like I am every week, and I'm joined this week by my good friend, a man who's got kicks like Shinobi, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you doing? Hey, man, I'm. Uh, I've been better. I'm laid up like Charlie's grandpa and Willy Wonka. I'm doing this podcast from a semi-prone position in my bed, uh, just getting to the other side of a three-day flu uh, battle. So, you know, but I'm here for the horns. I'm here for this podcast. So, let's do this thing. Somehow your voice sounds better than mine, and I'm totally okay with that. It's it's fine. It's all good in the hood. I'm pounding my throat coat tea. Not an endorsement, although if you want to endorse us, send me a couple of cases. That'd be great. Uh, guys, so we've got some news. We've got some Texas basketball coming at you. Texas had a big game. It was a big test. Didn't quite go as they wanted to. Texas had a lot of players in these high school All-American games that happened this last week. And then some fun transfer news. So we'll talk about that toward the end and the final, but close the show with some bang the drum. So Kyle, it's basketball season. Football is officially over. The national championship game is in the books. We can now go onto the phase of the program where we ignore everybody in the SEC because that's what we do during basketball season. Uh, so Texas was going for its second conference win on Saturday against the Baylor Bears, who were 0-2. Uh, they jumped out to an early lead thanks to some contributions from the freshmen, and uh, they managed to Below a uh, an eight-point lead, they got Baylor got it down to two at the end of the first half. And then Baylor was kind of just all over him in the second half and ended up winning 69-60. to 60. So, Kyle, what happened? What what did we see from Texas or from Baylor or whatever uh, that, that led to a yet another, for the basketball team, stealing defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I'm ready for for Texas basketball to start uh, to start closing games, to start uh finishing. We've seen some flashes from this team that look like they could be a tournament team that could make um some decent runs. I mean, first just hats off to the Big 12 conference in basketball. This is a very very good conference and Baylor is a, is a good team. They're not one of the best teams, but they've been dealing with some injuries and they were finally at full strength coming into this game. Um, so I think Baylor is one of those teams that's going to make the tournament. Uh, there may be as many as eight in the big 12. That's actually 10, um, which is an incredible percentage and just incredible stat, but I'm hoping Texas is the eighth of those right now. Um, they're looking on that bubble, but I think this is a team that if they can put it all together, they, they, they look good. And even in this game, this is a loss. They looked very, very good at times. They were able to shoot the ball, um, which, you know, hasn't been a strength the entire year. And they've kind of gone uh, the way of the deep ball when it, they were decent at the least. Uh, they seem to have success. And when they were really bad, uh, you know, those, those were the losses this year. But they really – that wasn't the, the key to this game. They knocked down some shots, especially in the first half. They just – offense looked to be to be humming. They, used, they looked to be unselfish, uh, getting the ball to the open shooter, and, and they were able to convert those. Um, so it really wasn't a Texas thing. I think Baylor just came on. Texas may have come out a little lethargic uh, in the second half, or Baylor just stepped it up. Either way, it looked like a tale of two halves and two different teams. Um, I'm really curious, though, what you thought out of the uh, out of the freshman. Um, Jace Febris uh, is a guy who is getting a lot of extended minutes with Andrew Young still out with the uh, unspecified illness, and we don't know the timetable on that. So 
Jones being kind of the Horns' top scorer and him being out for some period of time, uh, we're going to need some other guys to step up and, and absorb those minutes and really take advantage of those minutes. So what do you uh, what do you think about the the play from the freshman? Having Jones out obviously isn't a less than ideal situation, uh, and we hope for a speedy recovery. You know whatever's going on, uh, but. You know, Fabres really did a great job sparking the team. He was really aggressive early on. He was knocking down shots. He hit seven of his nine uh, to score 18 in the first half, which is just absolutely yeah. phenomenal. Uh, granted, he went 0-2 in the second half, but he's a freshman. He'll learn how to close. He'll learn how to you know, get some contested shots against the zone later on. But he looked like a guy who... You know, I hesitate to use this comparison because there's a lot of negative around this, but he looked like a guy who like like a Russell Westbrook, but under more control. Uh, and obviously he's not to the level of Russell Westbrook, but at, you know, there were times where he was willing to put his head down and, and really get a shot. And, uh, you know, one of the things that Texas did well in the first half of that game, and he was, you know, as the point guard facilitating that is they were making the extra pass to find the open man uh, where that goes a long way to, to scoring. And, you know, something Baylor did later on really confused that, but. You know, there was a there was a time where he was the looked like the best player on the court and possibly the best player on the team. Uh, and then the second half, there's this guy named Mo Bamba that decided he wanted to show out a little bit later on. But I think for me, it's a good sign, especially if, you know, Jones is out for a long time or, you know, for next year when Jones makes the jump to the professional league, possibly uh, it's it's good to know that we're in, in good hands with the freshman. Yeah. And, and you know, it's Mo Bamba's we have one year of him and, and be curious to see exactly what this team looks like next year with some of the recruits coming in and how much of the, the defensive level falls off without him. But they're one of the better defensive teams in the country when they want to be and when they're engaged. I think this season kind of goes as far, and it's, like we said before, similar to the football team, as far as the offense is willing to take them. And uh, losing your top scores is tough with that, but if we can see guys really step up. And, I mean, a one and two start in conference isn't the worst thing. It would uh, – it would make me feel a lot better if looking forward they could get a win in the uh, the, the new Chris Del Conte Bowl um, against against <laughs> TCU, uh, I believe Wednesday. Uh, so that's a number 16 ranked TCU uh, who's really looked really, really good this year um, and is going to be a challenge for the Horns. If they can do that, um, and then they have a very, very dangerous tech and West Virginia team looming uh, throughout the month as well. This is going to be a stretch that really defines, you know, what this Texas team is, how they respond to things, uh, what kind of heart they have. Um, one thing that that I really liked, um, and, and I wish I could be saying this after a win is one of the keys to victory, but one of the things that I think will be key to future victories uh, is rebounding. Texas looks to be getting better in that department and actually looked really good. Um, they doubled up Baylor, who's one of the better offensive rebounding teams in the country, 15-7. to 7. I think it was something like 32% of their own misses and holding Baylor to 25% of theirs, which again, um, Baylor is a really good rebounding team and got a couple of, uh, they got their seven footer back for this game. So it was looking to be a better rebounding team. So there's, there's some, some positives for sure in this. I just, you know, I want to be sitting here taking positives, looking forward to win streaks, not uh, how we can get back on the right side. But one and two is not the worst start to conference. Um, I would like to see them get back to 500. You know, it, it may be hard to do that against TCU, but they've got Oklahoma State sandwiched in there between uh, TCU and Tech, which any year, regardless of how good Oklahoma State is, going to Stillwater is terrifying just because they've got – 
outside of you know, Kansas, they may have the best home field advantage or home court advantage in the conference. I just there's something about Gallagher Iba that just people go nuts for. Back to the gridiron because we can't escape it because it's the University of Texas and it, you know that's what we do. So over the weekend. Texas had players featured in both of the prominent high school All-American games. We had the Under Armour All-America game and the Army All-America game in our great hometown, the city of San Antonio in the Alamo Dome, where both you and I had the chance to play a couple of high school football games, which is really cool. Uh, So Texas had some kids in those games, and they didn't just play in those games. Texas had some guys that showed out. So let's start chronologically with the Under Armour game. Uh, Kyle, what did you see that you liked from from the Texas commits? Or honestly, Texas signees in that game. Um, I think B.J. Foster is a – if he plays like he played in that game, he looks like all the hype is real and the kid is ready to step in day one and be a player. I mean it's hard to really pick out, and we're going to talk about a lot of these guys individually, but out of this Texas secondary, it's hard to pick out which ones are going to play immediately and which ones will have to wait, which is a good thing. There's a lot of talent coming in. Um, But a lot of these kids, I mean, 18, I guess, I want to see some full-length birth certificates to confirm that. These look like grown men out there (laughs) just putting in work. You know, uh, BJ Foster looks like the real deal, though. and, And I think, you know, there's a chance that he, and we'll talk about one player in the next game, uh, have a chance to be instant, instant contributors uh, in that defensive backfield. What Was there uh, one guy or a couple guys that stood out to you? Uh, Keandre Coburn is a guy that I think, no offense to any of the other players in this in this class because they're all phenomenal and great pieces, but Keandre Coburn is, is probably the most important guy that's still outstanding as far as having a letter of intent in. Uh, and he looked like he fits the part of a, of a top tier defensive tackle. Like he was taking on double teams and fighting through them with great technique. There was a time where he didn't have great technique and just muscled two guys <laughs> off of him. Uh, he just looked really good. He looked like the real deal. And in, and in this defensive system that, you know, Todd Orlando is running, they need that. They need a block eater. They need a space eater to let the linebackers flow through free. You know, you're not going to see flashy and Dominican Sue numbers from, from this defense, but a guy like Keandre Coburn will get those numbers just because he's so talented. Uh, so I, I loved watching him, you know, the Texas guys all over the field, BJ Foster, the first play of the, you know, it wasn't the first play of the game, but one of the first plays of the game, he closed about 30 yards and had a form tackle that would make most coaches just drool, like head across the bow head punched the ball out, forced the turnover. Like he looks like the real deal. He was laying some lumber. That dude, I tweeted it out over the weekend. He looks, looked like Dolph Lundgren collecting ears in universal soldier. Like that's the best thing I can think of. Uh, He was just, he was just taking bodies and not asking for permission. It was just really, really terrible. Um, which happened in the the Army All-American game as well. Uh, so you alluded to it before, but Texas had some guys playing in San Antonio. A hometown yes. kid, uh, Caden Stearns, was named the game MVP. Kyle, you wanted to talk about him quite a bit. What did you see uh, or what do you see from Stearns that you really like? Um, I said before Stearns is my favorite player in this class, and I, I don't try to hide my unbelievable bias, but he's uh, he's from SCUCISD, the, uh, the premier school district in, I don't know, the world, or at least uh, the greater San Antonio northeast part of greater San Antonio area. Um, <laughs> I mean, we can all agree it's significantly better than Converse. But uh, but yeah, so he is a, a stud who can do all kinds of things. I feel like he, I had him pegged as one type of safety um, and I feel like he kind of showed just in some highlights towards the end of his 
uh, career, but then also in this game that he can do a lot of things back there. He's a guy who he's, you can stick him out there in any situation and feel comfortable with him. He's a guy who can close, make tackles. He's a guy who can play over the middle um, in a deep safety role, kind of uh, roving. He's a guy who can, who can muscle up on a guy in, in coverage a little bit. So I, I am thrilled. I'm so excited. Sky's the limit. Uh, it's the big 12. I don't understand why we don't just play like seven or eight defensive backs at a time. <laughs> let's be honest. Well, early talk is that, you know, Stearns may push for that nickel spot depending on, uh, what PJ Locke ends up as after after camp. So no, I thought Stearns. You know, I mean, early in the first half, he picked off the number one corner, uh, the number one quarterback in the country, uh, which is a good look. So thanks for that, much appreciated. The guy that that got me, and and again, you know, if you've listened to this podcast before, Kyle watches the finesse guys. I watch the guys in the trenches. Junior Angelau. My gosh, there was a running play where he was blocking on the backside and just decided he wanted to put his guy in the dirt and did it. Like he just mobbed this dude. And I've always said that Texas needs more Polynesian offensive linemen. I've said it before <laughs> and I'll say it again you have until it's that. five across the front. Junior Angelau is a monster, like absolute monster. And, you know, there's there's talk that he may go on the mission trip because, you know, that happens a lot with the, with the Mormons. Uh, so he may go on his mission trip. So he may be a 2020 guy. But if he is here in the fall, I could see him as a guy that pushes to give a lot of good depth on the offensive line. And I cannot wait to see him and Vahe next to each other. That's just something I, I really would enjoy seeing. Yeah, man. And, and you are not lying. You've said to me no less than a dozen times um, that you want Texas's offensive line to have as many letters across the, uh, the back of those jerseys as is possible. We need some long Polynesian, strong Palomalud, uh, gentlemen out there just pushing people on their butts. So uh, I'm all I'm all with you on that one. Absolutely, I, I'm telling you that that's what it's at. Uh, you know, back when we were in school, it was the guys in the beanies and dreadlocks, and now it's Polynesian linemen. That's that's the way to go. They're the best. <laughs> uh, so that depth on the offensive line leads us to our next talking point. This is this is kind of out there, not normally what we talk about. A lot of speculation, uh, but over the weekend, Rice left tackle Calvin Anderson uh, posted on Twitter that he was pursuing a graduate transfer from the University of Rice, which congratulations for graduating from Rice in three years. Good work. So he posted it on Twitter over the weekend that he was looking for his next chapter. And, you know, I, anytime I see a graduate transfer O-lineman this offseason, I'm like, oh, they'd be a great fit at Texas. But then there started to be a lot of smoke. You know, he's from the area. Uh, Coach Wareheim liked his tweet and then unliked it. So that could be interesting. Uh, but Kyle, what, what would that do? Getting a guy who's who is great at Rice, who's you know able to come in year one. What would that do for a Texas offense that you know the biggest issue may have been consistently along the offensive line? Oh yeah, I mean I, I will take any any rumor, any link, any any like tweet, any salacious detail. I, I'm eating right now. I mean I uh, I'm just eating after three days of of having the flu, just beginning to eat again solid foods. Uh, I am I am getting sustenance off of these rumors. Give them all to me. I, you talk about a guy who. Went to Rice, a guy who is a just inherently smart uh, kid, but on the field is 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 a sharp guy. Brings I don't want to say necessarily leadership, but at least experience to a position that was just or a line in a total that was desperately lacking it. Um, especially losing Connor Williams last year um, was just lacking playing lots of young guys, playing guys out of position, just missing depth, missing bodies who who you could count on in there. Um, I think he solves a lot of problems, but just plugging a guy in. Um, who has the experience, has the talent and the track record is going to be huge. I mean, like I said, I, any of these that that are out there, if we're not 
in their ear. If Warheim is not, you know, sending them a message, then we're doing something wrong because this is uh, this issue is is critical. I mean, we have to get that resolved for any success we're going to have going forward. You heard that, Coach Warheim, slide in those DMs. Do it. Do it. Get him in orange. We need it. We need it. And the last one, this is another one that we normally wouldn't talk about, but on the SEC network last night after the national championship game, you know, they made a switch. They took uh, Alabama, needed a spark on offense, pulled Jalen Hurts uh, in favor of the freshman uh, who ended up winning them the game. So big ups to the best coach in college football in the last 30 years. Uh, but uh, so after the game, former Alabama quarterback and now SEC network analyst, Greg McElroy said that Jalen Hurts should look at transferring to Texas, which is weird. I don't know how to feel about it. You know, if he transfers, he'll have to sit out a year, still has a red shirt available, which would make him uh, in two seasons, a red shirt junior, which would be uh, Shane Bouchelle's presumptive senior year. Uh, Sam Ellinger's junior year, sophomore year for Cam Rising and Casey Thompson, and uh, hopefully freshman year for Rashawn Johnson. So, Kyle, would it be worthwhile to bring a guy like that in, or even to explore looking at grad transfers at, at quarterback? You know, with in theory, they have four scholarship quarterbacks on campus right now with a fifth in the hopper for the next year. Uh, the answer to me is yes. You don't you don't turn down a guy who goes, you know what, like 22-2 and two as a starter, you know, uh, whether that's 100% him or not, whether there's issues in his game or not. I mean, the kid's the pride of Channel View, Texas. He's, uh, he's a Texas kid who I'm sure grew up watching uh, the, the Vince Youngs and the great Longhorn quarterbacks. Um I mean, he's got talent. There's no doubt about that. And until Texas has a absolute solution, we once thought we had a guy, and I was at the game when Garrett Gilbert played that Alabama team and came in. We all assumed everything was resolved. We had our quarterback, our next, you know, iconic great Longhorn quarterback to transition us into the next era. Um, and all the recruits heard that, and we had we lost uh, dudes behind him transferring to all kinds of schools, had a depletion of depth at that position. It got so dire uh, that a guy named Case McCoy actually played lots of meaningful minutes. No, no, no uh, disservice to the to the McCoy family or Case, but I mean, truly not the caliber of talent that, especially at that period of Longhorn football, was was expected at Texas. So, uh, I don't think you can ever have enough guys at that position. And then the way football is played in 2018, the most marquee decision and important position on the field is to have a guy who can do multiple things. who can win you games. who can get the ball out to your playmakers. who can make plays himself. And like I said, I, not that I don't think there's flaws in Hertz's game, um, but bring all the competition you can onto this campus and let the winners rise up. First off, before I get anything, you did not refer to Case McCoy as his proper title, which is the bane of Aggieland, Case McCoy. So just <laughs> keep that there. Uh, no, so like you said, bring a winner onto campus. And he's known as a as a scrambler, but the guy put up some numbers over the last two years. Passed for 4,926 yards, 40 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions over two seasons as the Alabama starter. So he's not just the running guy. Like, yeah, he can run, but it's 2018. Every quarterback can run. That's just – it is what it yeah. is. Unless, unless you're Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or – Eli Manning, you're a runner. You've got a little bit of speed to you. You know, the top quarterbacks in the country this year, the top guys are going to be drafted. Three of them can move. They've got that Brett Favre in them, which I love. So I think, you know, 
if it happens, awesome. I think there's not a snowball's chance down under that it's going to happen. And the final thing on this, truly, if it were somehow, I know we've said, no, it's not, it can't, it won't. If it were to happen, one thing that I think is not being talked about and needs to be thought of here, uh, how hard can it be to graduate from the University of Alabama? I mean, truly, the guy takes one, he takes advanced bear bryanting, takes one, uh, you know, one underwater basket weaving, one coal mining with Sabin, and maybe a houndstooth sewing class, and you're done. So I, I think it's an easy, easy thing for him to do to wrap this up and get over to whatever school he goes to without losing that year. You beat me to the houndstooth joke. I was like chopping at the bit to make that joke. I wanted to go also full, uh, full Hayton Spurrier and say, you know, the, the library at Alabama burned down. It was a shame because some of the books weren't colored in yet. <laughs> it's my favorite Spurrier. If you haven't, uh, Hayton Spurrier is the best Spurrier. Get that man back on TV. So quick hit before we go into bang the drum. Uh, early today at the time of recording, Charles Omenehu, he was a guy that we were, were calling, uh, you know, is he going to go? Will he go? Will he, won't he go? Uh, he announced today officially that he's going to come back for his senior season to play on the 40 acres. Love seeing that. Kyle, quickly, what does that do for the Texas defense going into 2018? It gives us a focal guy. It gives us a uh, a dude out there. I mean, it's always good to have one guy who you know is NFL level. I think Texas has a few, but to have your your Malik, to have your uh, your guy who the defense just feeds off of. I think Amenahu had times this year that he looked like that. I didn't think he really had an NFL caliber season, but it, apparently he was getting enough buzzers from his freakish, uh, like we talked about before, athleticism, length, size. Uh, I think this is the year that he makes the leap. I think Texas defense is going to be very, very, very good again next year, and I think he's going to be a focal part of it. I think he can be a day one, maybe first-round guy if he plays the way I think he can uh, and Lord willing doesn't have any injuries or anything that derail the potential that he's got. I like it. I think think, I'm going to call him Chuck. We're just going to call him Chuck from here on out. Through 2018, just one name, we're calling you Chuck. So that's I think Chuck has a big – I think Chuck has a big leap he can make this year. He's going to be the guy on defense. It's a passing league, and I think most of the teams in the Big 12 are losing a ton, especially at quarterback. So I really do think he's got a chance to make a name for himself this year, just pass rushing the fire out of these Big 12 defenses. So, Kyle, it's that time of the week where we honor our favorite tradition on the 40 acres and bang the drum. So, Big Bertha, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? So I know this piqued your interest. I put a little provocative uh, sting in the – in the show notes. You were a provocateur. uh, Yeah, for sure. And before I get to my thesis, I just want to thank um, our sponsors. That's uh, Throat Tea, um, Fuddruckers, America's Best Hamburger, and Kevin Durant, who may be looking for more, um, even small donations to to podcasts of Burn Orange Persuasion. So thanks again to our three unofficial uh, sponsors who do not yet know that they are sponsoring the show. Uh, But to jump now into the bang the drum, um, I said Chris Sims greater than Major Applewhite. And I think this has long been a debate on any message board, on any uh, Longhorn talk show, on any uh, living room or or jester dorm room uh, into the wee hours of the night. This is not a new hot take concept to the, uh, to the Longhorn faithful. Uh, it may be a hot take that Sims is better. And, and I have long, 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 long cited – on the Apple White train, um, but over the over the weekend, uh, it was announced that you know Major Apple White, part of the Mac Brown coaching tree, one of the guys, you know, we've all been kind of rooting for his success, uh, has continued his uh, 
his ability to be on the wrong side of, of issues related to, uh, to the treatment of women. And, uh, and I'll just, just leave it that. And, and he hired Kendall Bryles and um, another assistant. I'm forgetting his name, Clement, I believe uh, who both were on the art Bryles staff um, to be his offensive coordinators at U of H. Um, and I understand maybe he's feeling a little bit of a hot seat after a, less than stellar first year where he lost the bowl game. Um, but I, I just expected more from, from major. Um, and I, to me, this is an unacceptable thing. I will just put a caveat that my girlfriend is very intimately involved with the Baylor football program and, and went to Baylor and, and uh, knew a lot of these guys and coaches. And uh, when I kind of expressed my disbelief at this, she was also shocked that she's a lover of art and knew him in his earlier years. Uh, is a good man, but always said that uh, if anyone shouldn't get a job, it would be Kendall um, and just left it at that. So I don't want to start any rumors, but I just want to say that I don't think anyone out there believes that that Kendall Bryles is the sparkling saint that Major in his press conference uh, had the audacity to go out and say that that he was. So for all time to me now, Chris Sims is the greater of of those two quarterbacks. I can't argue with those things. You know, there there are fewer things that will get you – a quick unfollow or a quick, I'm just going to say it. We make fun of a lot of people in our group chat. And so, uh, I will make fun of you endlessly if you support all of that noise or victim blaming, victim shaming. Get out of here with that. Uh, so my bang the drum this week toward the end of Mac Brown's tenure, there were a lot of outspoken critics of Mac Brown. We talked about it a little bit last week, and I was one of them. You know, I was up here in Oklahoma City working for the Oklahoma news industry. I was covering the Oklahoma State Cowboys at the time. And so I got to see firsthand some of what happened at the end of Mac Brown's uh, tenure at Texas. And, and, you know, it did look like they got lazy and it did look like they weren't really evaluating guys. They were just recruiting based on rivals rankings or whatever happened there at the end. But this week, Mac Brown was inducted into yet another Hall of Fame. This time it was the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, and he deserves it. In hindsight, you know, yes, the last couple of seasons were a bit iffy. But when push comes to shove, you know, outside of Daryl Royal, you cannot name a coach at Texas that was better for the program on the field or better for the program as a statesman than Mac Brown. I I don't I defy you to name anybody coaching any sport really outside of maybe Jody Conrad in in basketball maybe. Yeah. I can't name another one. So for me it really, you know, it it brought to the forefront just maybe how unfair I was to Mac Brown at the end. Yes, he may have lost to step recruiting. Yes, he may have uh, relied too heavily on coaches that weren't doing their due diligence evaluating players. But when push comes to shove, that man got Texas a national championship. He got Ricky Williams to stay an extra year. He brought Vince Young to campus. There are so many reasons why Mac Brown. He really made Texas the Joneses in the 2000s. There's no two ways around it. So uh, congratulations, big shout out to Mac Brown for his induction into yet another Hall of Fame. You deserve it, coach. Well, the, the one the one misstep, but congrats to coach, but the one misstep, I don't know if you saw the shoes he was wearing uh, when he stepped out onto the field of the national championship. Um, but, uh, you know, I do want to say congratulations, coach, on your honor and good for you for for taking chances. I'll leave it at that. Uh, we will leave it at that. Thank you guys so much for listening in again this week. And it would mean a lot to us if you left us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We actually got three 
great reviews this week. And I said it a few weeks back and I've been forgetting to do it because I don't really take notes. Uh, but we had three people that left us a review. PD, PED, SNP, Yabum, and Sean Tran6 all left us great ratings and reviews on iTunes. Thank you guys so much. If you leave us a review, we will read you out uh, on the podcast. And thank you again for leaving reviews. It helps a ton with visibility on that Apple Podcast store. You can also find us on Google Play and Stitcher, wherever you find great podcasts. Give us a follow on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter right now at Kyle Carpenter and um, hopefully writing again soon once I get past the flu. Yeah, they can find you there when you're not dying. You can find me on Twitter. I am at G.H. Goodrich. And again, you can shoot us an email at LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening in again next week. And until next time, hook them. Hook up and get your flu shot. <laughs> <laughs>